Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Happy New Year, everyone. The first dunked on of a new decade. And fitting, that is one of our signature episodes. Top 10 prospects in the NBA. This is now going to be the seventh consecutive year that I've done this. I did it first in 2014. And Danny, let's just talk about what the criteria are for this episode before we get into it. The most important place to start is just the eligibility criteria. And that is the players have to be age 23 or younger on basketball references age. So that ties in with February 1st of that league year. So that that is the line we're using it's the it's it's an easy way to sort it's a fair way to do it and that's what we've used the entire time that at least that we've been doing it. i think that's what you used back in your writing days too so that's that's the way it's been every year and then the other part is well well so is, let me explain why why it is that we do age 23 it's basically just like that's the last year we can be like oh he's only 23 yeah, like the implication being that man this guy's gonna get so much better right that we just the sky's the limit for this guy he's only 23 once you get to 24 you're kind of ah you know we, i think this guy's pretty much established himself I mean, not that there aren't players who improve a lot after 24 but you don't see necessarily that meteoric rise you don't have that moldable clay fun aspect of just trying to project what a guy can be I, that's just my opinion of you know that's the last number we had to do it somewhere so i think that's a, a fair place to put it and you know generally you won't have anyone who's been in the league for more than and we have a few guys who've been in for this is their fifth year year uh but you won't have anyone who's been in the league for more than five years even if they well, come in early and another way of putting it is when you think about the players who graduated out due to age poor zingas Carl Anthony Towns, Nikola Jokic, those guys aren't prospects anymore. We know what they are. They're they're more established yeah. NBA players. So I think I think that's a good a good calibrator for people who are wondering why we use that lim- line are the people who graduate out. And this will be a little bit of a teaser for mine is that I, I will have so I had three players graduate out the three I just mentioned last year. I will have four graduate out next year. So I have four 23 year olds this time. Yeah, there's actually a a, a lot of guys kind of in that. It's an interesting guy dichotomy. We'll get to this. Well, so but the other um, thing we should the other thing we yeah. should kind of get into before we do it is this is not ranking these players as they are right now this is looking forward as well so like looking at the next i i've never had a rigid line but like five to ten years you know like the 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 arc of their the main part of their career is is there so that can fact you can factor in I, I focus far more on player qualities but if there if there's some sort of injury risk that makes it materially less likely that a player will reach those things that's there and then another part that i i that i, I wanted to talk about a little bit before 
we start because it will become important is scheme versatility. So whether or, or, or personnel versatility. So can this guy fit in lots of different places, whether that's, you know, like filling different roles or just that lots of teams need that type of player? Or is there, you know, they can only fit certain places or they play a position of less value. Those things all do really matter because when you're building out a team or you're thinking about it, those those players have very different values from a personnel standpoint. Another thing that's a principle, at least for me, and I believe for you as well, is shot creation is efficient shot creation for yourself and others is the premium nba skill if you can do that then that's really uh, what's going to excite me another thing too is the age versus certainty question i think for a lot of times i will have 19 20 year olds first second year guys higher than they ultimately should have been because of the fact that i valued the upside the most i am most biased towards players that i believe can be top five top 10 players in the nba those are the players who really drive championship basketball and so even if you have a pretty low chance of being that i'm still going to try to prioritize that over someone that you know is going to be a solid starter for a while even if they're a little older they've already gotten there or even someone that projects maybe to be you know an all-star sub all-star type of level and generally younger guys have more paths open to them there's a greater opportunity for them whereas even if a guy is more certain but looks to have lower upside i value that so certainly there are times on this list where i'll many times have guys who are first or second year players and then they just don't take the best possible outcome and they end up getting downgraded or even being off the list entirely by the end that's just my personal philosophy obviously there are a ton of ways that you could do this this is not necessarily even a list of okay who do i think is going to have you know the most win shares or you know whatever your stat is over the course of their careers it's just if i'm trying to build a championship team who would i most want to have on my team so also we talk about position you mentioned versatility wings generally going to be scarcer more important so once we get down towards the honorable mention players to watch type of category wings who are solid established starters who are under 23 you know they might make it whereas you know just a solid point guard or a solid center at that same age necessarily would not make it you ready to start i don't think there's a lot of controversy at the top um no there there isn't um I do have a couple more general thoughts I wanted to get into also. Sure, sure. Um, I think the bar has actually gotten a lot higher this year than it was last year. Uh, some guys who you know were on this list last year might have got pushed down a little bit, but it's not even necessarily that they're off track. It's just that some guys have come in and really done better below them. Uh, you know, We've seen some guys who had kind of disappointed a little bit as prospects really take steps forward in the last year. Um, another question is, this is such a crazy offensive environment now that everyone is kind of putting up numbers and so how do you evaluate that how do you know what's real like okay this guy can really get your team to the next level he can be the guy driving efficient offense as opposed to just yeah you know what like this guy's putting up a, a lot of points and assists like you give a guy the ball in this day and age and put even decent talent around him that's what's going to happen so that's a, a little bit tough i'm sure we'll get into that discussion with some of these players the structure we do it in tiers of course and so please do not go crazy if your guy is in the same tier as someone else i happen to say him first it basically means you're splitting hairs between these two feel free to go crazy if your guy is in a lower tier than someone that you think that he's better than uh the honorable mention category that is for players that are in the same tier as guys in the top 10 you're not necessarily it, it's kind of artificial to cut it off at the top 10 but we have to because you know 
uh arab mathematicians made that decision a, a few millennia ago and then we also have a players to watch category which is basically your tier below honorable mention and we'll talk about a few other guys who may not be on the list that you know are still worth discussing people might wonder why they are not there so let us take a quick break and we'll get started with a ton of suspense here who's gonna be uh the number one overall prospect right after this all right man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas i'm gonna be freezing but the american giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside and things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace using our capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us Danny, number one, say his name. Number one, age 20. That's truly remarkable. Luka Doncic, 
it is genuinely rare for a player in this 23 and under to be a legitimate MVP candidate. You know, like that is a threshold that is not usually met by people. It's in never this. happened before. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. I was super high on somebody a couple of years ago and like I was arguing they were in the MVP conversation and other people weren't. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the idea. And so this is something I want to talk. I mean, Luca's greatness is it, that will come up in the awards podcast we'll do later in the week. There are a lot of different ways we could talk about it. But one thing I wanted to bring up is this. It is entirely possible, if not not likely that no other player 23 and under ever puts together a two months as good as Luca just did in their entire career. Like, I, I think that's entirely, po- I mean, Luca, you had him number one in MVP for the preceding, you know, not for, not for the current one. We're not going to spoil anything there. We have, I haven't even done my rankings yet, but to be in this sort of rarefied air as the insanely high usage linchpin engine of a historic offense is something truly special. And to do it at 20 is mind blowing. Yeah, it, it really is. And the big step that he's taken for this year, I mean, it's been a lot of incremental steps, but the big thing to me is he's blowing by dudes now. Like he is beating guys in ISO. Like he just like left Draymond Green's jockstrap on the floor out of the three-point line in that game on Saturday. Like he's getting by just about everybody at this point. And the Warriors went to this crazy strategy where they're trapping him at half court, getting him out of out of his hands before he even crossed half court. And uh, the Mavs just started hitting a bunch of threes as, as a result of that. I mean, just what he's doing is unprecedented. Also, something we're going to note is how guys have fared over time. He was number three last year. And remember, he he re- this is kind of about when he really started taking off. We did these rankings earlier last year as well. We did it probably maybe two, three weeks earlier than we're doing it this year. But, you know, he wasn't at this level. He wasn't incredibly efficient. I mean, he, he definitely was number three in his own tier. But you had Jokic, you had Towns. I mean, those were like established all-stars ahead of him. And, I mean, if those guys were in it again this year, he'd be way above them anyway. He's, he's better than them already. He's three years, four years younger. So, yeah, th- this is... Uh, of all the players that have appeared on this list at any time during the last seven years, he is more impressive. I would consider him the best prospect to ever appear on this list as of right now. I mean, as a, as a, the the next one, probably for me off the top of my head, because remember, we don't have like LeBron as a prospect that that wasn't included in this or anything like that. But so Giannis, his last year of eligibility was his fifth season and he was really good that year. It wasn't the year he won the MVP, but I would say Luca has been better so far this year than Giannis had been to that point in that season yeah and Luca's 20 and Giannis was 23 at that point yeah that's also also worth considering uh one other thing I want to just emphasize a little bit with Luca is the growth that he has made as a scorer so this year posting 60 61.4 true shooting on basically 37 percent usage it, basketball references version of usage 19.4 field goal attempts per game is is insane and to do that and also be his assist rate is basically 50 percent so he's a assisting on half of the makes that aren't his own which is truly incredible and doing that on on an offense this historic and yeah Luca leaves plenty to be desired defensively I think he could actually improve on that end in time just because he's such a smart player I don't think he's ever going to be great especially with the workload he has offensively but I think he can get to a you know a decent enough level maybe it's kind of like the taller heftier version of what Steph Curry is where he's like he's not as big of a weakness not as big of an attack point but also not a true strength I think that would be totally reasonable for Luca. yeah and he makes some plays defensively uh so let's move on to tier two now I have one player in my tier two interesting okay I I, I'm I want to see what you did here because I didn't do this and I think it might 
might be the same guy, but I'm not sure. Yeah, so still, it's Zion Williamson. This is the first time we've ever had a player. Oh, no, I think I had Joel Embiid in his first year when he was sitting on the bench in the lower end of the top 10. But no, at age 19, Zion Williamson hasn't played in a game yet, expecting his debut in a couple of weeks. I have him in a tier by himself and a few reasons for this. I was actually talking about this list with Ethan. I've gotten some feedback on it from some executives as well. What he did in college and in the preseason was just so ridiculous that it's just well beyond to me the capabilities of anyone else on this list. Uh, You throw in that he's with Fred Vinson in New Orleans and that his jump shot might even improve under his tutelage. And you might say, oh yeah, but the injuries, right? He's 285. We've never seen a guy like this. Yeah, I agree with you. You know what? I think there's a 50% chance or so that injuries could significantly impact his career going forward here. They already have. But even then, the upside is just so high. I mean, this is the guy who you just see, yeah, this guy could be a top five player. You know, he could just be Charles Barkley all over again, but, you know, not as terrible defensively and easier, you know, can do more as an ISO guy. I mean, it's just the upside is so high. Like he, and nobody else has that. And I don't feel any lower about his ceiling than I did because he had these injuries. I feel lower about the chances of him reaching that ceiling. But I mean, if we did this, if we'd done this at the start of the year, I mean, he would have been, uh, he probably would have been number one at the start of the year. Then we saw what Luca did and, and uh, no, he probably would have been number two. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't put anyone else in his tier just because of some of the unprecedented stuff that he's done so far. The way I did this was I laid out everybody else that I was considering, laid those people into tiers. And then I said, okay, where does Zion slot in? And for me, there was no hesitation to put him number two. I ended up not putting him in a tier by himself, though I kind of do regret it because... Well, you can still change. Well, no, no, I'm not. Change. I'm not going to. But the reason why is because of that. It's not the floor part. It's the expected value. You know, if he has to miss X number of games per year, or you know, just or there's just an, an enhanced risk. That is that is a material downside. But what I want to emphasize with Zion, and the reason why I had no hesitation putting him second, is his defensive potential. He's an intuitive player. He has insane physical tools. And could end up when we don't know exactly what his positional niche is going to be on that end of the floor. But that's what makes him special. And when we start to get into the next guys I have on the list, a lot of them are prodigious talents in one respect or another. But Zion has MVP potential. He's the only other guy to me on this list where where that case is pretty easy. There are other guys who maybe, maybe if you squint really hard. But the idea that he could be just this unique force offensively, you know, I worry a little bit about his implementation and usage just because, I mean, we, we praised Alvin Gentry in Summer League and in the preseason for how they did this, but it's still harder than for somebody like Luca or one of the point guards because they just have the ball in their hands all the time. But it's still, the potential is still there. So yeah, I, I had him second. I mean, it, the MVP argument is, is to me the thing here. Like if Zion has, if you're a top five player in the league, it makes life so much easier on your teammates and the escalators that come from that really whatever position you play are so important and they you know minimum guys become more valuable mid-level exception guys become more viable and so zion has that kind of talent so the the injury risk i'm keeping him in tier two with other people but i do have him at the top of tier two and if i were to put any differentiator within that tier it would be him versus everybody else not any other one so 
I think his defensive potential is overrated. I think he can avoid being a liability. I think he can make some plays, but I, I don't like him as much as an individual defender as some other people do. But I still have him number two in his own two. So despite the fact that we differ a little bit on his defense and you're higher in his defense, I still have him higher uh, in a tier. So I, I guess the next thing to do here is you've got other players in this tier. Who are they? So yeah, so th- this will be interesting. Um, my my number three, and it a lot of the players in this tier surprised me in terms of just when I really had to process it. But my number three is somebody who is a point guard who has never been the point guard on a league average NBA offense yet, and that's Trey Young. Trey Young in his age 21 season is just a ridiculous offensive talent. I mean, putting up 37% on 9.6 three-pointers per 36 minutes is ridiculous. But remember, Trey is doing this as oftentimes like the only good offensive player especially with John Collins missing that time due to suspension but even like last year on an ill-fitting team and he's shooting 37% on that volume of threes when 69% of them are unassisted you can compare him to other offensive prospects like De- like Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell those guys you know they're they're a lot more situated they're they're shooting a lot more of the threes created at least in part by other people and tr- that ratchets up the difficulty level and so you think if Trey could have their kind of a role what he could do from an efficiency standpoint and there are lots of issues like i i was a little bit surprised with myself that i had trey this this high when his defense is as bad as it has been and will probably be for his entire career but oh it's it'll get better than it but but it, but it'll i i don't think he'll be average like you know he'll yeah. be i think he'll be below average his entire career but the ability to create reliable offense for himself and others is just that that's paramount that is so important in the modern nba and i have more confidence that trey young can do it than any player who is not luka Doncic in this list yeah people want to shit on young's defense i agree it's bad they have a ton of other problems behind him defensively i mean the the on-off numbers complete shit you know he is 442nd in the nba in defensive rpm not good last year either and he has some intelligence he's also a piece of tissue paper he has no physical tools like he's not going to help your defense but i as a point guard it's really hard for a point guard to single-handedly kill your defense and he's never had any real defensive talent around him we knew that they're going to be one of the worst defenses in the nba and yeah he's part of the problem but he's not even the number one reason why they suck defensively right now it's tough to be that as a point guard and offense just matters more for a point guard i actually had young did is he the only other guy you had in this this tier by the way oh no i have four no i think i have five other guys in this tier oh wow. okay well well so we can talk about young he is my number four overall player in the third tier with one over play, one other player who we'll get to but just the offense is too good he's sixth in, in the nba in offensive rpm similar numbers in pipm similar numbers in 538's raptor let me just read you some of the three-point percentages of the guys that he's playing with right now you know cam reddish is shooting 33 percent overall from the field and 26 percent from three on 119 attempts jabari parker is shooting 28 percent for three deandre hunter is like the best threat that he's played with with herder being out a lot of the way 34 percent. so this is a guy who's running spread pick and roll it's the system are down well nobody can make a shot the centers that he plays with are terrible offensively like this is easily the worst roster in the nba you know john collins is just now back outside of him and they still are basically league average offensively when he's on the floor i mean it's just and oh he's he's selfish his teammates complain they don't pass the ball yeah i don't care if your teammates who suck 
say that you're not passing it to him enough when you're the only guy who could do anything and you never do anything when he passes the ball. I'm quite sure that he can be a team player if he actually gets someone to play with. So, and he will dime those guys up plenty. He's one of the best passers in the NBA and his floater game is ridiculous. So I'm... I'm a big believer in Trey Young, and the problems in Atlanta are not as much. It's like, oh, how could it be an all-star? They've won six games, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, they are so bad without him. This is not a real NBA team that he's doing this on. So you talked about how you're a big believer in Trey Young. Who are you a bigger believer in? Who's the other guy in this tier for you? John Morant. Wow. Okay. I I, I know what the logic is. This is, you, you kind of teed this up with in the intro. Yeah, when I was talking about how younger players, now Morant is 20. He's kind of halfway in between age-wise, between your typical guy who spent one year versus two years in college. He did spend two years in college, but he is uh, a young August birthday. Uh, was uh, obviously not ranked last year because he wasn't in the NBA. The this is another one where i have major injury concerns and concerns about how long it can last for him with this style he's already had a knee surgery but the athleticism is jaw-dropping defensively he's shown more effort like they've been passable defensively i think he can get a little bit stronger beat you know an average defensive point guard so i'm not that worried about that his shooting has been a pleasant surprise when teams have gone under on him i don't know if he's gonna be a 40 percent guy but he's way ahead of you know your typical athletic freak point guards at this point in time as a shooter and i think he's as good or better of a passer than a lot of these guys again this is another team that has very little in terms of three-point shooting threats around him you know Jay Crowder, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson. They don't really have, you know, a, a traditional two guard who's going to make shots. So, but I mean, this guy just, you see the upside, the incredible ball handling that he has that basically is, you know, he does stuff that nobody else in NBA history has been doing from a ball handling perspective. So the upside is just, uh, is that high? If you had to say, is John ja Morant going to have a better median career than say Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker, some of the guys that I'll have lower in a, in a lower tier? No, maybe he has a worse median career than those guys, but he's got the upside and that's just my personal philosophy. I go for the upside side i think he could be a, a top 10 maybe even top five player in the nba even if that's not a likely outcome it's still possible i don't necessarily see that for some of the guys that i have lower here i have jaw lower i am more risk averse on these than you are and i understand your rationale and and with jaw i don't see the mvp type of ceiling so that's why i you know if i did like with zion then i would be more comfortable with it that's why he's a tier below and for me th- this there's a parallel here with trey young last year where i just need to see him steward a more viable offense for longer like and and Murray you know the the film on jaw was good and one of the really encouraging parts I mean small sample size still with this this, this year is John Morant remember he shot 31% from three his freshman year at Murray State and he was 36% his sophomore year his final year so Morant shooting 40% from three and 79% from the line is actually really important because that shows that he's cl- that Murray that he's closer to the sophomore year than he is to the freshman year as an overall shooter and I like his form and everything like that so so that's that's an important step and he definitely has more defensive potential than trey so i'm i i wrote it in because I, I do little write-ups for everybody maybe i'll turn this into a piece i don't know yet and i wrote in his uh, with it like a few other guys like i wouldn't surprise me at all if he was way higher on this list a year from now but because the risk a because the value of a player who just isn't quite at that level you know like somebody who's a little bit worse than trey young is a lot lower than trey young that's why i, I just kind of had to i had to put it down a little bit but i understand the rationale all right so why don't you give me all the guys that you have then in this tier two i mean to recap for right now luca is number one 
tier one only guy in there for both of us zion williamson was number two tier two for me john morant was my number three trey young was my number four uh both of those in tier three so that ends Is, my that's tier enter three. tier three that's the question yeah. i was gonna have okay yeah. so and, my and also by the way worth noting trey young last year uh was an honorable mention for me so and that, remember last year when we did this he was had just had that brutal shooting november you thought hey maybe the shooting from college just isn't going to translate but you know, i was i thought he would be a lot worse early on than he has been frankly so uh to have him honorable mention last year at this time was probably actually way higher than most people would have um you know again that's in in the same tier as some guys in the top 10 is what our honorable mention means so um this is certainly a massive increase he's taken a step forward this year he's gotten stronger there's a lot of things that, that look better for him so so i i'm done with my top four but you to recap have a well i'll, I'll just lay it yeah. all out yeah so, okay t- tier one luca by himself my tier two covers my two through seven and it i've yeah i've, I've mentioned zion and trey young and now this gets fun. Number four, Devin Booker. Number five, Donovan Mitchell. Number six, Jason Tatum. Number seven, Jalen Brown. Yeah, uh, that's. A, I have somewhat of a similar arrangement. My tier four, which is encompasses my five through eleven players. So I actually have. <laughs> you probably thought you had so many players in your this tier. I even have more. Well, I just well, really struggled to differentiate. Well, let me let me let me tell you that it goes beyond this. My tier three is eight through fifteen. I actually ranked and wrote up fifteen guys. Wow. So give me those uh, again. Let's sure. talk about Devin Booker, actually, because he's actually, I have him at the top of this next year for myself as well. He's my number five overall guy this year. Given the history, at least for me, of him, uh, he was in Players to Watch his first year. This is his fifth year on this list. Um, and remember, again, we're doing this in December every year. So he hadn't really even ascended to being a starter, I don't think, at that point, or he just had. Um, and then it's been honorable mention the last three years. So I'm sure many would be saying now, Danny, oh wow you finally like came around uh, on booker uh because you know and again honorable mention last year was in the same tier as guys in the top 10 so splitting hairs there uh what is it now about booker that has caused you to move him up uh to now your number four overall prospect it is a mix of what he did last year and what he did this year so last year he took on this insanely large playmaking role because the suns had no one else and when we recorded this, it was, you know, a month and a, uh, two months into the season, and he had done pretty well. But filling it out, I thought that he did a really nice role. And so you think about that from his assist rate. So his assist percentage, 24.4, all the way up to 34.1 last year, and then about 30% this year. So that's, you know, he he's largely keeping that up. He's been a part of it. But then this year, with getting Ricky Rubio and other competent basketball players, which is such a huge change from the McDonough era, is that we, we're getting more proof of concept that he can be a an effective piece in an offense in a couple of different capacities that can be on ball it can be off ball and he's also getting to the line a lot more and that's something that i really like he actually has a higher free throw attempt rate than than uh, per 100 possessions than mitchell brown or tatum and i think that's an, uh, something i really value because that can be reliable offense he's also of course a wonderful free throw shooter so all of those things he does still suck on defense he is the worst to me on defense of the th- of the players that are below trey young in this yeah. tier for me Could- quickly on his defense i think early in the season he really was giving more effort and you'll still see flashes of that on ball Uh, talked to a scout over the weekend about him and he said yeah you know he's really regressed since the beginning of the season as uh, phoenix uh, has taken big time steps back 
on defense uh, as well we've gotten into the meat of the season and the numbers on defense are nearly as bad as ever 431st overall in defensive rpm this season he's actually worse negative 4.5 on defense than he is positive on offense uh, with Raptor and PIPM as well. Uh, the defense almost cancels out as much uh, of the offense. But, you know, again, he's taken, uh, but you're going to continue on, though, about why you still have him up higher. Yeah, so something else that I think there's still untapped potential with Booker as a volume three-point shooter. He actually has the lowest three-point attempt per 100 possessions of that group that I was just talking about with Mitchell, Brown, and Tatum. And there's plenty of reason. I mean, he can, he can hit those shots. And as the Suns kind of figure out their philosophy under Monty Williams, I think there's potential there. But I really like with Booker how he can be both a, a secondary, probably not a primary on a great offense, but a secondary ball handler and then provide a lot of this other value. You know, he might not be the level of shooter that some of us hoped he would be there there are other guys that this happened with i mean you could say this kind of same thing about bradley beal but his overall game is is at a really high level and so i can see i can slot him into a lot of different nba teams and i think their offense would do really well for it and then yeah the defensive stuff is there but i'm not as concerned about that with a guard as i would be if it was a power forward or center yeah i think booker shows to me the greatest potential to be a really efficient scorer out of this group something that ben taylor highlighted in his video about him last year was his pretensity to hold the ball back it out pick and roll very set piece very ball dominant to me he showed the ability to work off the ball much more as a cutter he's really improved i mean once a game he'll he'll get that face cut out of the corner uh, when they're setting up a wide pin down it'll just cut right in front of the guy for a layup so he's shown the ability to make quicker decisions quicker attacks where he's not dominating the ball as much and with more spacing which they did i mean they had no point guard to set him up and no spacing last year you know not quite as bad as what trey young has been dealing with this year but kind of close to that in some of these previous years but the 62 percent true shooting is really good yeah i'd like to see a little more volume from three i think that's something that w- will come and he has at least shown some ability to be better defensively even if it, over the course of this year he hasn't done it consistently so again this is and remember also when we did this last year he basically missed the you know probably two-thirds of the first part of the year when we had done this and he was in honorable mention and he's still in the same tier with a lot of the same players as last year it's just some of the guys above him graduated out and this is a, a bigger tier so it's not that big of a change yeah he was fifth this year and he was honorable mention last year but it's not that huge of a change but he's he's made some very subtle incremental improvements uh, that make you feel pretty good so well and, and, is, and yeah. something else i want to i want to mention here is there is a very big difference between i uh, devin booker is a materially better player now like just and 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 some of the ways he's improved as a scorer were not easy projections to make they were possible they were always things that that we acknowledge could be there and so his improvement as a playmaker his improvement as a scorer it it wasn't inevitable and i think that's that's another part of it and there a lot of players you know don't make the jumps that he has from the starting point that booker was at so i think i think that's an important point to make here so, all right, do, do you want to, uh, who else do we need to talk about here now? So, the the other three guys in my tier are Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. It feels like those guys have been bunched together in various configurations for a long time. Donovan and, and Jason, because of the rookie of the year stuff going back a couple of years, and then Tatum and Brown because they're teammates. I mean, it's the running joke on the NBA cast is that we've been asked no question more than Tatum or Brown. And I had Mitchell the top of those three because I still have the most belief in him 
as a creator of offense. You know, I, he, I have less confidence in him as a cog in the machine than the other two. And some of that might just be the situations that they've been a part of. But, and, and I mean, Mitchell, this is his first season over 55% true shooting. And he's barely over it right now. But he's a dynamic offensive player who can get to the line. And I even though, you know, probably the best defensive thing I've ever seen him do was actually lock up Jason Tatum in the Utah Summer League his rookie year, I still have a belief that he has potential on that end, even if that potential has not been actualized as much as somebody like Jason Tatum. So I've got some other guys in this group here. I, I will save that for, for now to get my rankings, but let, let's talk a little bit. Mitchell, he was my number six overall prospect again in the same tier with a bunch of these other guys. Uh, give his history. He was 10th his rookie year seventh the year after that fourth last year so he's actually gone down a little bit with morant and trey and devin booker passing him uh he and booker are almost exactly the same age actually booker i think you have to say is probably better than him offensively at this point and i don't know that you necessarily would have said that last year and then at least at this time by the end of the year maybe you would have said it but mitchell still you know has been a part of a good defense he's been in a winning situation also, Mitchell might have to get downgraded a little bit because of his struggles in the playoffs. Last year, I think he had a good playoffs his rookie year, not as much last year. So I'm still, you know, against switches one-on-one, how much can you create? He's gotten better in the mid-range this year. Still just doesn't get to the basket quite enough for my liking. And he's just smaller than some of these other guys when you're talking about him with Brown and Tatum. So still, I, I mean, he easily could be the best uh, out of this group. He, he's gotten better this year. That's all you can ask. Again, it, he's taking incremental improvements every year. We haven't seen the massive leap, but, you know, for him to get over average true shooting, I mean, also a little bit of a concern to me that, you know, the Jazz offense is not really that good when he's got a really good dive man. He's got good shooters next to him. If he is really that good, like, wouldn't their offense be better? You know, in previous years, you could say, well, hey, he has to take a lot of bad shots. That's why his efficiency isn't that good. They still have an okay offense. Look at the talent around him. But they have more offensive talent now uh, than they have. And we haven't seen, you know, Mike Conley setting him up. But, you know, it's been a lot of mid-rangers, and he takes a lot of those mid-rangers. And so if he's taking those because the three-pointers aren't available for him to pass to and Rudy Gobert's not available to pass to, you know, maybe he should be getting to the basket more. Maybe he should be getting wide open threes a little bit more. So there are some things to criticize with him, but he's still, I, I think you. it's hard to argue that he hasn't gotten better. And, uh, you know, he's a, a high character guy. You know, he's going to continue to work. So I, I feel comfortable having him at six, but there are some warts here to some degree. I had, um, let's, I, let's talk about Tatum. Did we talk yeah. about Tatum? Yeah. So Tatum, Tatum was a challenge for me. I actually originally had Brown over Tatum. Part of that is because of my frustration that Tatum had like the, I, I've talked about the aggressive aggressiveness stuff with him, that he's not getting to the basket as much now back into the free throw line. And I mean, they're playing in the same offense. So it feels like the opportunities, you know, like the opportunities are not equal, but they're somewhat similar for Tatum to be a more efficient version of himself. And also I think the, I mean, RPM and PIPM and all those things are obsessed with Jason Tatum's defense. And I'm not all the way there. I think he is the best defender of this group and probably by a meaningful margin. But I, I don't think he's better than Jalen Brown. I like it, Brown it, it, it depends on kind of what you need in a player. And, yeah. but it's also true that as a, you know, non kind of like, lead defender that even if you want to say like I do that Tatum is probably that I think that he's the best defender of this group the value of that margin is not as severe as it would be if he were like let's say like a Paul George type of defender or any any of those type of you know not even the Kawhi Leonard you know best perimeter defender of the decade or anything like that type of stuff and 
the reason I ended up moving Tatum over Brown is the idea that if you plug if you, you plugged him into different systems, I think Tatum's ability to do a little bit more with the ball in your hands could be useful. You know, like it, it's I, I still don't think you know the same criticism that I've had of him forever that I don't think he can be the best player on your offense or your defense and have it be successful, super successful is still there. But I have those same criticisms with Jalen Brown, so it, it was tough for me kind of splitting hairs. And it is in some ways unfortunate that those two guys are teammates, just because it's harder to evaluate them in separation. But I ended up going with Tatum. It was a tough call, though. And I I wouldn't be surprised if you went the other way. Yeah, but Tatum and Brown, I mean, this has been the case. They're not really coming up as traditional prospects because they've been on good teams where they haven't been the primary offensive threat, although Tatum is getting close there now. But when I talked to scouts about this list, that was the number one thing they said is like, you know, and Brad Stevens also has a thing that was noted to me is that Stevens has gotten a lot offensively out of some guys who didn't do it in other places. And so would these guys look better or worse as prospects if they weren't in Boston? It's kind of a little bit of a tabula rasa with them of, hey, you know, if Jalen Brown, if he'd been handling the ball this whole time and had been entrusted to do that on a bad team, where would he be as an offensive player? Where would Tatum be? Tatum, though, I actually had him at the very bottom of the series, my number 11 overall player, still only 21, which is, I mean, that's the difference between him and the other players that I have in this series. We'll we'll hear some of them, but they're all 22 or 23. Tatum is younger, and he was my sixth overall prospect last year, seventh the year before that, and eighth his rookie year. So this is a little bit of a downgrade for him. You mentioned that the one-number metrics love his defense. He is effective as a help defender and in the passing lanes. I don't believe, though, that he can be a one-on-one stopper. And so that actually, to me, does provide a little bit of fit problems because if he's going to be your three, you need another guy who's going to be both a stopper and a shooter to play next to him. But the number one thing that really has me a little lower on him is the efficient offense just hasn't developed. He's taken a step backwards in efficiency. And yeah, his usage has gone up. He's about 28% usage. They have been pretty good, but most of, most of it comes from defensively where he's second in defensive RPM and some of the other numbers really love him there as well. But he's actually for multi-year metrics, he's not as high there. And just through the eye test, he's not strong enough. He doesn't stop guys one-on-one, get through screens the way you really need a guy to uh, on the wing there. So I do think that those numbers overstate him a little bit, but just the efficiency hasn't been there. And yeah, this is the third year. He's only 21. And some of the other guys on this list that we're going to talk about, Booker, Brandon Ingram, are indications, especially with wings, that it can take a while. Jalen Brown, his teammate, has taken a major step forward this year at 23. So, I mean, it is important to remember that we're comparing what he's doing at 21 to what Brown is doing at 20. But I I just, I don't see yet... It's been a couple years now of this kind of a lot of mid-range stuff. You know, his three-point shooting has gone down. He's in the 36-37% range there now. He doesn't really get to the basket. He's not a great passer. I don't see him as like a great pick-and-roll operator. So I just, I'm not sure that I see the offensive upside for him. Yeah, he's got the high usage, but where is, what is his path to being really efficient, number one for himself, and number two as an overall driver of efficient offense for his team? That's why I'm just a little lower on him than some of these other guys. Uh, Something I wanted to mention about comparing Tatum and Brown is if I was a believer that, so this year Jalen Brown is shooting 44% on jump shots and 40% on threes. You can compare that to 38% on jumpers and 35% on threes last season. If I believe that what he was doing there was 100% real right now, I would have Brown over Tatum. And And it would be close, but it would still, it would be more comfortable. 
I the idea that Brown regresses a little bit from this and is just a little bit worse as a shooter, I think that that makes up this margin for me. And that's that's part of I've had a little bit of skepticism with Brown's shooting this year, but it can, and with Tatum, I mean, I I don't like the shots he takes, but as a shooter, I have less uh I have less misgivings. Yeah, Brown, I've just been so impressed by his ability in the pick and roll this year. I like him better as a one-on-one defender. The three-point shot, his free throw shooting is better too. Yeah, I, I mean, I do have some skepticism about that too. And remember, these guys are all in the same tier for a reason, right? Like, I'm not saying, oh, it's 100% Brown would be better than Tatum or that he's going to be better than than any of these guys. Brown, by the way, uh, was honorable mention the last three years uh, for me. So does, does that close out uh, this tier for you then? It does. And then everybody else I have in, in a tier from eight all the way down to 15. And you drew right. the line somewhere else. So I want to see who else. So you have, you've gone through seven of your 11 um, because I know Tatum is at the end of the tier at, at 11. Who are your other four? Um, I think I've got three more. So I've got okay. Booker at five, Mitchell at six, Jalen Brown is number seven. Okay. Tatum is number 11. So my eight through 10, again, all in the same tier. Number eight is a man who was not ranked, wasn't even in players to watch last year. 22 two-year-old Bam Adebayo my number eight as well yeah and just what he's done defensively this year the fit now you know this is when we get into the range you know I I don't know that any of these guys to me profile as your best guy on a a really good offense or or a championship team I'm not even sure that John Trey Young uh, profile is your best guy in a championship team Luca and Zion are the ones I would say that about now these wings develop late maybe some of these guys have the athleticism where they could get there you know even someone like Giannis wasn't at the level that he was that as a 22 year old is really wasn't until he was 23 that he got to be number one on this list but so now you can start talking about those high level of role players Adebayo is starting to get some Draymond Green type of vibes defensively here and he's not the preternatural steals guy or shot blocker Green but he definitely does those things he'll guard fours and fives he can switch on to just about everyone I mean when you see what he can do on guys against the switch like you know he'll swallow up say Pascal Siakam for example he guarded Russell Westbrook who you know Westbrook can't shoot we've seen big guys guard him some recently but he in an ISO I feel confident with him guarding just about anybody at this point in time and yet he also provides help defense and then his offense is taking a step forward the shooting probably not going to be a strength for him you know he's shown some facility from mid-range hasn't really stretched it out to three yet not for closing that that could happen at some point but i don't expect that to be a, a strength of his game but his ability to grab and go the passing work that he's done at the elbow setting guys up and he's really an important part of this heat offense with the shooters that they have coming off of dho's guys going back door fake dho get to the rim offensive rebounding finishing around the basket he's gotten a lot better there and able to play the four or the five on both ends you got to have a shooting center next to him if he's going to play the four but the heat have that so uh, i think he's been their second best player pretty clearly and he's just a guy who's going to fit in as a high level of second or third best player on a really really good team for a long time and so that that's why uh, i brought him up this high and maybe it was foolish to not have him higher at, at this point earlier but if that was a mistake it has not been remedied well with bam part of what we didn't know was how well he would do defending regularly against starters remember he was behind hassan whiteside last year and so we, we there were 
reasons to like what he could do. But again, like I've talked about the idea of just knowing is, is really important. And Bam is a different type of offensive player than the other bigs that are in this tier for me. Yeah, I, I mean, he's going to be in serious all-star consideration this year. Absolutely. As a 22-year-old. And, and I mean, that, could, that gets you on this list. He, I'm could, sorry. Like, he could be yeah. in defensive player of the year. I mean, he could be on a ballot. I, I'm not sure he'll win, but he he might end up on my year-end ballot. We'll have to see where things go. But he's been fabulous on, on that end this year. And yeah, I, I've... I've grown to love the big man who can defend and shoot the three, but it's okay. You can contribute in other ways. I like his passing a little bit. He's been a, a dynamic role man. He does what Miami needs him to do. And to me, he's the most reliable of these of the bigs defensively. So that's very interesting. You have two other players in this tier. Right now, we're, we're largely in line. It's just where, the, where, where we drew the lines. Who are your other two? So another one where I'm sure people would be like, oh man, you should have had this guy higher the whole time. I mean, not that that means we were carping for Adebayo, but a lot of people were carping for this guy, and that's Brandon Ingram, who was just in the players to watch category last year. Still only 22. Now, basically all of this is on the fact that he now looks like a pretty good shooter that i mean because my big problem with him was all right if you just give this guy the ball is he going to be efficient enough to be your number one driver of offense with the ball is he going to be able to draw the defense enough to set other guys up and i didn't feel that way and and i also had concerns about his defense which i still do he has not been good in the one number of metrics they're starting to defend better recently we'll see how he's a part of that he was a part of some okay defensive units in la at times and i think he's kind of the opposite of tatum where i like him pretty good as a one-on-one defender but he's just not really any good as a help defender um but now he's shooting the ball around 40 percent from three and and he's 20 percentage points better from the line as well and so you really you know fred vinson that's the narrative there there is a reason to believe him going to new orleans working with vinson like a an inflection point to believe that something could have changed here i think he's still a little over his head but the fact that he's shooting the three like this now all of a sudden he doesn't have to be that best guy that you give him the ball all the time now he can spread the floor he's shooting coming off of screens you know we talked about that on on the christmas day episode and he's a solid transition player he's got some of that mid post game he's also shooting very well from mid-range for a second's consecutive year and so all of that to me if he is this level of shooter or close to it all of a sudden now he is a really really good player i think he can take some more steps forward on defense as he continues to get stronger as well take some steps forward as a finisher he's not a nuclear athlete he doesn't blow by guys but he especially as a wing player the value there i mean the, the guy is 28% usage and 61% true shooting. Like at age 22, like you just have to respect that. He hasn't necessarily driven efficient offense for the team, but they haven't had a lot of guys around him. We'll see what happens now. He can fit with Zion as well as a shooter, but that's the big key to me is number one, he's way more efficient. And number two, now he can shoot so he can play off the ball some too. And it makes him just so much more valuable and versatile than he was before. I will echo all of that, but also say that I think I'm just a little bit more reluctant to say that this is real. And so that's why I yeah. moved him down. I have Ingram 12th, but he's still in the same tier. You know, so it's for, for okay. me, it's, it, 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 and if I yeah, felt- so we're I, splitting hairs here. We're splitting point. hairs here. And for me, it's, it, when we see this for another two months, four months, eight months, whatever it ends up being, then I'll, I'll, I'll rocket him up the list. I mean, that, that's what's going to happen. But for me, especially when a player has a track record that doesn't line up with this, I just need to see it a little bit longer. And on the defensive end, I'd like to see him apply his physical gifts more. That's been a frustration of mine with Ingram forever. But I do like some of the stuff that he's doing now one-on-one I think that's been better so yeah Ingram I, I again I think we're splitting hairs I do have him lower but these guys are especially my 8 to 15 group they're just all so tightly bunched and I, I mean two weeks from now I'll feel differently about this it's just they're all they're all really tight 
So let me close out here with my last guy that I have uh, in this tier, and that is number 10, Ben Simmons. 23 years old. He was third his rookie year and fifth each of the last two years. I think the situation in Philly for him has not been particularly conducive to his offensive talents with no shooting and Joel Embiid in there as well. They have been pretty efficient offensively when he has played without Embiid this year and had more spacing. So that is a reason for optimism. But the total lack of development, in fact, regression of the jump shot and not only the three-point shot, which people focus on. For me, I'm more focused on what can this guy do as a scorer one-on-one and you he really needs to have at least some sort of a 15 footer there so that's why i have him lower Uh, what is your opinion on him at this point i have simmons 10th as well and uh so i i do my rankings deliberately without looking at anything from the last year and then i look at it and i do these write-ups maybe this year as i said i'll turn into a piece last year when we recorded when we recorded this podcast which as you said was a little bit earlier in the season ben simmons had taken 33 shots outside of 10 feet this season 28 so that's even gotten lower from that standard at this point and i i i thought you know philly does have that 114 offensive rating when he plays without Embiid this year they do have much better talent fitting and everything else last year but remember that was 109 last year so it it, we still need a larger more robust sample here especially with the way brett brown runs his rotations the reason simmons is still this high on the list despite his lack of scheme fit there are two things one he is a floor raiser for a lot of teams offensively you know not for the best of the best and and that is what we prioritize you know that he doesn't to me have that mvp ceiling unless things dramatically change in an element that I do not expect. But then the other part is I love Simmons defensively and he's a physical force, but he's also quick enough to guard some of the smaller guys. So for Philly system, that works really well. And I think it could work well a lot of different other places. And so he, you know, his offensive lack of versatility is important, but then defensively, you can slot him in in a lot of different assignments. And I think he can do a good job. And I really do value that. Yeah, I mean, he's going down because you felt, hey, he he could maybe improve some of these weaknesses. And no, he's kind of taken incremental steps forward in some of his strengths and actually gotten worse maybe with some of his weaknesses. The turnovers haven't gotten a ton better either. So, you know, the, it was, man, sky's the limit of this guy. He's third when he was a rookie. And now he's kind of just, you know, I think he, he's developed in a way that's been lower than you might have expected when we were so high on him as a rookie. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Every sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because 
you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to remember slash capspace. We talk about it all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. So now that I've finished up here, did you have anyone else in the honorable mention group that we haven't discussed yet? Yeah, I had a couple of guys. Uh, so yeah, so mine, as I said, was my tier three is 11 through 15. We've talked about most of them, but I'll, I'll just... Well, so, so that technically cannot be honorable mention. No, your tier three starts at like eight, Eight, right? sorry, eight oh, through yeah. 15. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so the ones that we haven't talked about yet, we've talked about my eight, nine, and 10. That's Bam, Ja, and Ben Simmons. My 11 is Miles Wait, Turner. Wait, so Ja is nine for you? Yeah. I just need wow. to see I just need to see it more. He was he was my number three. That is I know. that might be the biggest divergence we've ever had. Um maybe, but I don't think it's too much of a divergence in kind. It's just more I, it's it's sort of the idea for me with Trey Young last year, though you were of similar mind with Trey Young last year and not with Ja. Yeah, Ja's um, doing I mean, he looks so much better as of now to me than Trey Young did at this time last year. And yeah. he was a much more highly touted well, prospect coming in. Well, part of why I'm good shy, we'll talk about what what are the players who I hat who has moved down on my list this year um is is a point guard as well and so it's kind of kind of a similar thing even though i think jaw's significantly better than he is as a prospect um okay so jaw nine simmons 10 miles Turner. Well, well, can, can i talk about jaw just a little sure, bit more here of course so you know the on off numbers are not unbelievable here well yeah i think sure. they're like 30th percentile even in offense when he's on the f- something yeah. like that yeah and you know they don't have a lot of shooting he's really their only playmaker i thought there would actually be a starker difference on off than there has been with him but his individual numbers are really really good i mean we're talking about for him just about league average true shooting pr of 18 ton of assists 27 percent usage does turn it over a lot but not as bad perhaps as might have been feared uh, given the way he turned it over in college so for a rookie point guard and they're just generally those guys really really struggle i think it's gotten a little easier for those players with more spacing these days but that level of efficiency for a rookie point guard like you don't really see that like seth had a tweet looking at some of the guys who have this level of efficiency again this is a rookie point guard so 
So 55% true shooting is awesome. And that lovely usage. And there's a lot of really good guys on that list. I mean, and there's not many of them too at, at, who have come in at that level. And again, he's still only 20 years old. So I, I think his season is woefully underrated, uh, perhaps even by you. <laughs> um, well, so let, let, me, yeah. let me push back. For me, yeah, sure. the, the scoring stuff is definitely positive, but I want to see more of, and it might just be the, the players that are around him on the Grizzlies. I want to see more of the creating good looks for other guys. He's a great passer, but the, and it's not that he's been bad. I just want to see more of it. Like for uh, when I watch the Grizzlies, I, I haven't been consistently like blown away by that. And usually for me, that just means I want more time. I mean, there are a bunch of different examples. Like, I mean, for me, it's, it's rare for me to be in love with a point guard really early on. Chris Paul's basically the only one, even though I like those guys as prospects, just because the adjustments are so big. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if I had jaw where you do next year. But again, I mean, they're, I think they're like 30th percentile when he, when he's on the floor and that's not jaw's fault. I think he's doing a good job, but we'll get into that. Um, but so I think part of it, well, I'll, I'll talk about another guy, but let's go to first. So my 11 well, is so my... One more thing on him, sorry. Sure, fine. The transition is the other thing that I think is just huge for him, the way that he is just a one-man fast break when he really decides to go. And again, they don't really have these other greyhounds who are going to get out there on the wings and run with him at this point, and they don't have that trail shooting other than Jaron to some degree. Um, so that's just, I mean, all those reasons are why I just think his upside is so high. All right, sorry, I interrupted you twice here, so please, please continue. But I thought... I thought we, I, whenever we have this big of a difference, people are always like, oh, we think the same things. And, you know, that's probably largely accurate. <laughs> but yeah, when, when I, we have I, a I difference, think, I think it's worth probing I, more. I don't think it's that big a difference of an opinion. I just value having an having an established thing. And for me, the difference between being an MVP caliber guy and then a step below that, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Ja make an all-NBA team. But that difference matters a lot. Like that's why there's the gap between Zion and Ja. I love Ja. I think he's, you know, he's the only other guy in this rookie class on this list for a reason. But that's, that's sort of a limit. It's not a limitation, but that's sort of a lack of super, super duper upside. Narrows it down a little bit so then I get more into, I get, I get more into my own head in terms of the risk. Um, back to the back to the list. I Miles Turner at eleven. You know the the Turner out of bio questions are interesting. I mean Turner is more of a quote unquote traditional big defensively. You know he, he doesn't have the switch versatility that I love so much about Bam and Turner actually shooting. You know shooting threes to a the more appropriate volume this year has been really encouraging. Um, I'm a little bit freaked out again this year about his rebounding and the team's rebounding when Turner is on the floor. He is such a bad defensive rebound. It, it killed him in that game that they lost in Miami where I think they gave up like five offensive rebounds in a row the other night. Yeah. And in they, the they, last minute of the game, it was, they, it was they can terrible. have They can have some big problems there. And that's a part of, and I, I've been high on Turner since he was in college. Like he's just a player that I've liked and I still see a lot of that, but that's why I moved down a little bit with him. 12 is Brandon Ingram. We already talked about him. 13, Jonathan Isaac. You know, I had all these bigs. I just had a lot of trouble reconciling it because I could see any of them breaking out, but also the volume of guys that have kind of similar upside expected value and downside just made me less excited about each of them in these rankings. And Isaac, I mean, his defensive potential is through the roof. I could see him winning defensive player of the year. And something I like about Isaac too is in some ways similar to Bam, he has more scheme versatility. You know, like he's playing largely the four for Orlando now and they put him on a lot of different guys, but then his health 
help defense. I see him as potentially being a five. If they want to go that direction, they can. So I like him a lot. I, I like his offensive game the least of any of these bigs. I just think that there isn't enough. And he does every once in a while, he does something interesting with the ball in his hands, like that sort of thing. But I just, I don't see the low usage center game as fitting him as well right now. Though some of that might be Orlando's surrounding talent just not making as much sense as some of these other ones and him not having a coach that, you know, would really utilize stuff the way that Spo does or the way that Jenkins has with with Jaron Jackson. So I, I think you could see the argument that Adebayo, Turner, and Isaac, all those guys are 22 to 23, a little more developed, defense first players. What's really the difference between those guys? I just think Bam's game on both ends is just a little bit more well-rounded than those other guys. I mean, Turner as a big is a little bit different as a pure big defensively and basically just a shooter on offense. And, you know, that could still be very valuable. It's a, I'm a, I still wonder if he would really given license to bomb the way Brooke Lopez or Jaron Jackson has done you know, what his career could look like. And, and he's been in my honorable mentions pretty much this entire way through. And he's a, a player to watch for me this year. Um, and Isaac, I just don't see the offense coming around. He, he was just such a liability offensively in the playoffs last year. And yeah, he's 22. He's really taking another step forward defensively. He's gotten stronger. Like, I think he can be a difference maker on that end, but it just, there's got to be more offensive upside there for me for him to be more than just kind of a really quality starter for a long time you know i don't see the upside here for, for him to be an all-star well see to me if he's if he's a defensive player of the year candidate then that is the upside if, if you can if the the him alone defensive test if he can get there you know to the rudy gobert type of level defensively and he's a different type of defender but if he can get there then that's a different level of upside. yeah rudy gobert hasn't still hasn't made an all-star team but yeah he I, I mean but also you know rudy gobert isn't a negative offensively i think that, right and and gobert's offensive yeah. game is underrated like i, I think right. that and, and he's very good at what he does in addition and i think that's yeah. something that jonathan isaac definitely isn't there yet and might not ever be there uh, yeah and I, I, that's another thing too i don't see him getting to quite that level just due to the the nature of his game um sure. so i have so, two more j- yeah uh, okay yeah go ahead and one of but, them well, is okay, a guy can that's, we hit on jaron real quick that he, he's one of the two. Oh, oh yeah. okay i thought you so, mentioned him before yeah okay. jaron's fifth jaron's 15 and he was so jaron was number eight on my list last year and oh i mean there are certain parts of what has happened with him remember that was early in his rookie year that have been positives i mean now jenkins is letting him fire away shooting 40 percent on 8.3 three pointers per 36 minutes that's fantastic i mean and we don't know if the 40 percent is going to continue but getting up that type of volume that is exactly what I want from from Jaron as as a part of his offensive role but two big concerning things one his foul rate hasn't dropped and that is makes it harder to keep him on the floor and when you consider that depending on what role the Grizzlies want him in long term his foul rate could go up if he's around the basket more I could see that becoming more of a problem now he's playing a lot with JV and all this other stuff and then the other one is last year Jaron shot 73% in the restricted area this year that's down to 66 it could be sample sample noise but for a player who like many at bigs in this modern era takes a lot of his shots from the restricted area and from three that sort of a drop actually is pretty material offensively i think he's actually ahead of schedule where he's i would agree the the, the volume the shooting you know that's uh, looked fantastic 
uh, you know, because he wasn't shooting it that much last year. Part of that maybe was just due to his role with, with J.B. Bickerstaff. But the defense to me is very concerning for a guy who was supposed to be a game-changing defender, right? We thought he was going to be able to switch on anybody and... He's going to be able to block all these shots at the rim as a traditional rim protector as well, play center and switch and block shots. I mean, that was that was the hope that, that of the people who were really excited by him. And he's 427th in defensive RPM right now. I mean, that is, and especially when you consider for a big, that is atrocious because most centers, I mean, there's probably only maybe 15 centers who are even positive in offensive RPM, but like most of them are positive in defensive RPM. So he hasn't shown that he can play center. The feet out in the perimeter have not been as advertised. You know, I don't think he has been the stopper in switches yet. And generally I find that if a big is going to be a real defensive difference maker you're going to know it by now and he showed signs early but he was also playing next to Marcus Ole last year the numbers were better last year but he has not been a big positive defensively he hasn't shown he can play center he can't get a rebound on defense he's not a box out guy so it, it becomes very difficult now if he can't play center then the shooting is a lot less interesting as well you know maybe he plays next to Brandon Clark and they can kind of create an athletic front court duo and get, get enough done on the boards but if we're just looking at him in any other situation too like he's got to be better defensively and that's why uh, you know the thought was he could be that game-changing defender at this time last year he has not developed in that regard at all yeah and i i still like his instinct you know the for me the the film is still in my mind and at 20 years old i'm willing to give him a little bit more time remember how much younger he is than the other bigs on this well well, i think he he's got pretty decent timing as a shot plugger but i don't think he's good on the verticality right right i'm thinking more like his positioning and instincts and that sort of stuff rather than like on ball you mean no uh, off ball like i I remember that from the michigan state stuff that he he knew where to be in a way that most 18 year olds at that time did not so i think that's that's and you see a little bit of that sometimes in memphis not as much i actually saw more with brandon clark in summer league than i i did yeah i i I don't see these like amazing pre-rotations from him right Right, you know, not as not as much as you'd like. So right. I, I'm keeping him on the list now, just kind of as a holdover for how how positive and for the offensive growth. Yeah. The one guy we haven't talked about yet is my number 14. That's De'Aaron Fox. Fox in in some ways is hurt by the timing of this because remember last year he was in the process of breaking out and then this year everything that's gone wrong with the Kings, some of which is fault, some of it is not. But Fox also is hurt in this from my perspective. He was number seven last year by a change that I've had in perspective, which is. I do really value the transition game changer type of point guard, but Sacramento both last year and this year has been a pretty bad half court offense. And there is a lot of value to what De'Aaron Fox brought. And he, he basically made their offense viable last year, but they were their 26th percentile in half court offense when Fox is on the floor this year. And yes, Sacramento's personnel is not phenomenal and they've been missing some of their players that you could argue yeah, would help. But, but I'll tell you what, I mean, like they have enough shooting. He, uh, and uh, you know it, it, they they should have enough to where like if he's really that good he'd be driving more efficient exactly and, and and combining that with last year when they had different talent i would say in many ways it's better this year and they still were having problems in the half court that you kind of beat those things together and it, he just becomes a less valuable player i still and, and fox has defensive tools. I mean, I remember that going back to when we saw him at the Hoop Summit, but you don't see it possession by possession like some of the guys, and you talked about this with Biggs. I think if it was Smalls as well, that if by their early 
twenties, you they're not if they're not burning that candle the way that some guys are, then they're just not going to. And that's not to say Fox is bad or anything, but he's not. I don't think he's going to be Pat Beverly on the defensive end, especially with the workload that he has in transition and everything else. So. I still like Fox. I still think that the chances that he becomes a top half, maybe even a top 10 point guard are are absolutely strong. But the idea that he becomes an all NBA point guard to me is, is it's not extinguished, but it is waning. Yeah. Now the health is a major caveat here that grade three high ankle sprain. Now he's suffering for some back issues. He looked like he was going half speed the other night. Like we may not see him fully healthy all year. And they've got a lot of moving parts around there as well. The guy who's supposed to run with Bagley hasn't been healthy at all either. So there's a little bit of an incomplete aspect to his season. But I I agree. I mean, this season has been a disappointment. Uh, When he's played, it hasn't been as spectacular. And I just wonder when you say, like, how is this guy going to be so good in the half court? Like, oh, he makes all the pick and roll reads. He's so awesome. You know, I've never saw that quite the way some other people have talked about. I mean, I think he's a decent finisher at the rim, but not like an unbelievable one he's a, a great athlete and a speed guy but not like explosive gonna go over you at the rim necessarily his jump shot is kind of more along the lines of adequate and and better than expected so far but it's it's not amazing um so yeah it, could he move up for sure but i just don't like you i don't see him popping into that all-star level point guard a group you know maybe you can see him more in the solid starter for years and years type of guy than and you know maybe popping into all-star consideration once or twice but overall not a difference maker for your franchise which is a big problem for the king they're relying on him to be a difference maker i'm not foreclosing on that he does have a lot of physical tools but uh, uh, and maybe we'll be seeing a different tune uh everyone was expecting him to break out this year and he did not in part because of health um so we've mentioned a number of the guys here in my players to watch category i would say of this group the one who uh, jaron is the one when i talked to executives who said okay he should be higher the other one is shea gilgis alexander who i think there are a lot of people who are really really high on him at this point and you know he's had some really big games for the thunder playing out of position hasn't been given the ball a lot chris paul is having a really nice season also he's not that shea hasn't had plenty of chances to operate but he hasn't been the main guy a lot of the times he's been part of a good thunder defense i think he's gonna be an above average defensive player so one two defender i don't think he can move up to the three at least if it's a an on ball three you know he doesn't have that level of size and strength he his development rating if you're gonna say hey how's this guy developed over the past year you know you'd probably have to give him a 10 as far as the shooting I mean, he's taking like step back threes now you didn't think that that was with the way he shoots his shot shot that that was gonna work as well I'm just a little bit worried about his ability to make his teammates better to really, you know, he kind of meanders into the lane and he shoots the scoop shot. Is he really going to force guys to help out get really efficient shots and then set up his teammates he can kind of make the reads he's got good passing ability he can pass with his left hand but he's also he's not you know i don't see him as being this like eight or nine assist a game guy when it's all said and done another part for me with shay and i have shay i actually explain that after um with yeah he's shooting more threes now but he's all the way up all the way up to 3.8 three pointers per 36 minutes that's not some sort of crazy high volume or anything like that it's encouraging that he's still at 30 36%, you know, 
taking more and, and making the same amount is, is unambiguously a good thing. But I think Shay, I'm sure there are people who say, you know, I've heard this too, that he doesn't get a chance to, to spread his wings. I actually think it might be protecting him a little bit because the idea of, I, I talked about my criticism of Jason Tatum before, that I think Tatum is a player who makes a team better on both sides of the ball, but I don't think he'd be a, a successful team's best player on either side. I think that's true of Shea as well. And I think if he gets thrust into that role, it, it will be hard for him, especially if the surrounding talent isn't exactly pristine. And now OKC has the resources to eventually put him in a very good spot there, but I think he's being protected. And I think there, there's there's more reduction of downside than some are acknowledging with Shea. But I want to explain how I did my players to watch, partially due to having 15 people on my main list. I structured it differently. My players to watch was on a single criteria, which was the people who were not on my list, who are 22 or younger, who I think have the highest chance of being on the list next year. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way uh, yeah. of looking at so, it. So it's not even about, oh, this was the number 16 or 17 or whatever else like that. So um, I can go through it either in terms... Well, if you if you have more honorable mentions, I think we should probably do them first, but then... I would no, go- no, no. I, I, I was done with honorable mentions at 11. Okay. These are all players to players watch, to watch. Here that we're talking okay. about for me. So we can do it kind of positionally. The only other guard I had, I'd say, and, and these are not in any particular order, I didn't think about him that way, is Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray yeah. is the he, the most prominent player for me who dropped out entirely. He went from number 11 to straight up not ranked for me. And part of that is the idea that Jamal Murray on a different team would have to do a lot more with the ball in his hands, and I don't have full faith in that. There's also the frustration with his not his, his shooting, you know, not being as dynamic as I kind of hoped yeah. it would be. The, that's what it is. Like, a lot of this was based on man this guy has a lot of ball skills and maybe he can become this like 40 percent from three guy and that that possibility becomes more remote as the years go by right yeah so so i think that's the the case for jamal my only real wing and this speaks to the just lack of quality wings established that's also something you talked about well with john hollinger and the confounding players thing is og Ananobi. i'm still a damn believer in og Ananobi that his his wing defense and then if he can become a low usage guy that he has, he, to me, he has the best tools in the toolbox of any of the young wings. So I'm putting him on this list just in case he figures it out. I don't think he'll be a top 10 player, but he was the guy for me there. So yeah, I, I had Ananobi just a, as someone else to to discuss. Um, we haven't mentioned DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, he, he's, I'm actually going to move him down. I'm not putting him in players watch. I'm just putting him in the, the others worth discussing, but we can discuss him now. I, I think he, uh, I was talking about him with Hollinger as one of my more confounding players the other day, but uh, you know, there's some people who are talking about him being an all-star consideration. I really, and I was like, all right, I should probably consider. And then I really dug into him, like, all right, I, you know, I don't think he's at that level. And there are certainly some fit issues, some defensive issues on a lot of teams. Is he a four? Is he a five? Um, so no, I think he can be a quality player for a long time. But I don't, I'm not putting him. Uh, quite at the level of some of the other guys uh, that we're discussing here Um, for me me, the issue is is upside you know like i could see sabonis being a good player but remember what the threshold is for a lot of these top 10 players and solid starters to me don't really move the needle enough to be in the top 10 so i had him i like sabonis i think he is a better player right now than the centers that i have in the players to watch but he doesn't have their upside so my center's Wendell Carter, Mitchell Robinson, Jared Allen, again, not in any order. I think all three of those guys have potential on defense. Carter is 
it has maybe the most intrigue as a potential shooter at the five. I've been banging the Mitchell Robinson drum since I watched him destroy a bunch of mediocre Louisiana high school players, but his physical tools are fascinating to me. If he can ever stop jumping on pump fakes and get a team that actually makes sense, I could, I could see more from him. And the, all these guys are early 20s, so it could work out. Uh, do you have any preference between those three? I don't know. Those are all guys that just are barely worth mentioning to me. I just don't see the upside for many of them. Uh, uh, my last player to yeah. watch, and he was in your most con- mo- most confounding players, and I, I'm ready to start souring, but I, I want to give him the rest of this year is Lowry Markkinen. I, I mean, it just feels like when, when the things he does well work out, you just go, damn, like the, the, he's a really I- intriguing player the way he's doing better job now attacking smaller players, but the jump shot isn't as reliable as it needs to be, and the defensive value isn't where it needs to be. And so I have him on here just as a kind of a, a pin in the ground, but because if it works, he could be a top 10 player, but a top 10 prospect, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, So a few others to discuss that we, we haven't mentioned yet. I mean, DeAndre Ayton, disastrous year so far this year. Yeah, you get a little bit of incomplete. Yeah, if he'd played all year all year this year the way he played in just that first game against the kings uh then you know he probably would be a lot higher up on the list but he had a terrible defensive first year then he he had the suspension the injuries i mean there just there isn't the resume or the body of work and so you really you have to go back to last year you can't just project what he was going to do based off of that one game so uh, and just the player type the inability to draw free throws i just don't think he he's really just a dependent player offensively except for throwing it to him in the post and shooting some mid-range jumpers so don't really see the upside right now with him despite the fact that his body certainly looks like he would have a lot of upside but yeah i mean i'm not going to foreclose that he could get into more of an honorable mention you know lower end of the top 10 if he really puts it together because he does have the physical tools but you know i think the skill level and mentally there's a, a long way to go there uh, I mean, let, let me mention briefly R.J. Barrett, number three pick in this draft, and there have been some positive signs, and the Knicks are just such a yeah. They crap. all happen in like the first two games. Of yeah, the there's and the Knicks are just such a dumpster fire that there there are arguments that oh well, it's not really fair to do much evaluation. But Barrett is shooting thirty percent on jump shots this year. He's taken 32 percent from three. And the the core issue that you and I both had with R.J. was sure he's best with the ball in his hands, but how good can that offense be? I think those concerns are still well founded especially when he's shooting 39 percent from the field overall yeah 45 percent true shooting the free throw line stuff is really concerning and you know these jump shots it's not like those jump shots are being caused by their lack of spacing that he's missing those right i mean it's a lot of them are open for example but yeah i mean other than the fact that he was the number three pick there's absolutely zero reason to discuss him based on what he's done so far and in fact worth noting there is nobody from the 2019 draft other than zion and ja on this entire list and we're gonna probably talk about 25 players and you know these players encompass guys from you know the last four even five drafts not looking like a good draft is it not right now. And I mean, there are there is time for players to improve. And an important part of the NBA process is the growth from the first year to the second year. So players like Darius Garland, you know, maybe Kobe White, you know, if those, if those guys can do it, but they have to get so much better. And they're, you know, and I mean, Sexton's a good example of, of you know, that improvement isn't guaranteed or a sufficient improvement isn't guaranteed. Not that I'm picking on Sexton. You could point to Kevin Knox or any number of other guys. Um, well, should we discuss the only 
only player on this list who is eligible for this list other than Ben Simmons to make an all-star team D'Angelo Russell yeah he I mean I didn't even have him in players to watch you know I, I'm pretty low on him and he's had a couple of pretty good games here lately I, I talked about him pretty extensively Hollinger actually brought him up as one of his most confusing players and I just don't see the upside there for him uh, is what it boils down to uh, that just with his defensive limitations yeah you know, I think he can be a creator on a you know kind of the role that he was with the Nets uh, last year but given the lack of athleticism I mean maybe the path is he could just shoot 40 percent from three and you got to double team him on the pick and roll but I think he's so slow that if you just put someone with length on him he's not going to be able to get open for that three-pointer off the pick and roll yeah it could and, it could yeah. be the reverse Porzingis where you play somebody out of position on him and just just take advantage take advantage of that I think that's the solution as of right now I don't understand what the reverse okay Porzingis so Porzingis is. the theory like with Dirk is put somebody smaller on him and he just can't do enough and I see yeah and so the idea with with so play somebody out of position but out of position for Porzingis it's smaller and with with Russell it's position out of position bigger I actually think that works really well in D'Angelo and basically nobody does it all right, anybody else that you really wanted to discuss? A few players to me have dropped out of my players to watch. Uh, Markkanen is one of those. Michael Porter is actually one of those. He was in there last year just because I, he was so good at the high school level. And I, I know he had a nice game and Denver is incredibly high in him and all this stuff. And uh, But I just haven't seen enough from him athletically at this point in time. But, you know, maybe he really looks better a year from now. And, and he does seem to be looking a little more explosive. He started that game the other day. This this is we this may be a high point for him or maybe not. Maybe it's he'll continue a meteoric rise. Marvin Bagley, same thing. Lost year for him, but hasn't looked good when he's played. And the fit issues, the defense, all the issues that uh, you might have had. The fact that he hasn't been able to even score one-on-one effectively is another big problem for me like that's what he was supposed that was supposed to be the awesome stuff and then that hasn't even been that awesome uh john collins same thing i mean that it just the suspension really hurts him of course but that's part of his resume and the hawks you know he hasn't exactly been a panacea coming back for the hawks and then miles bridges just with his athleticism i uh, thought i would throw him in there last year but he hasn't been on the trajectory to really be any kind of a difference maker as of yet it is a little bit weird to me that lonzo ball has fallen off this despite shooting 36 percent from three but it's just that the the rest of it hasn't come around enough yeah, he just doesn't really do enough yeah and i mean it, it's shooting just 20 percent of his shots in the restricted area this year and not getting to the free throw he line. wasn't even on there for me last year but yeah, he was for me and yeah. um you know there's there are times including a sunday's game where it, it looks like it might be closer but not a, those flashes are not frequent enough for me in a guy who's in his age 22 season to put him on these sorts of lists so i wanted i wanted to mention that he's dropped off for me but yeah dennis smith has also dropped off this list for both of us uh yeah i mean that's he he is the person that we've been the most wrong about on this list over the years that I and I think even for for good or for ill and he was eighth his first year honorable mention last year and then really it went completely downhill he had the trade request he just left the team hasn't been healthy in new york has been terrible when he has played and so i mean it's really he might be out of the league soon so this is that this was one the one time where you know i i like the high variance guys with perceived upside and you know i i also didn't necessarily have access to understand some of the personal issues uh, that he would go through i mean we're not counting the the death of his stepmother here obviously that that's not something that anyone should be it should feel 
is a negative but before that the the trade requests all that stuff you know there seemed to be some difficulty getting along with teammates etc which you know those that those discussions had dogged him since nc state and his total inability to shoot has been a surprise to me you know i thought he would actually be adequate in that regard coming out of nc state hasn't really been able to finish that well so it's just been a huge defensive liability so obviously i mean there's a number of things that have gone wrong there this is where you know going for the physical upside went wrong so yeah that that was a mistake gotta own it can't say anything else there um tyler hero we haven't mentioned yet i think he's someone who you know you're talk to people at the show it's oh tyler harrow that he's not available at all like it's untouchable um just don't see the upside there i, I just because of the physical capability i think he can be a fine defender and i think he can be a pretty good shooter i don't buy that he's like some 40 percent guy from three he is a one position defender basically at the two even even though he does compete and is has good help instincts he never gets to the rim not really a good finisher not gonna get to the foul line that much so i mean he's definitely willing to take shots and he's willing to create shots and maybe if he shoots that crazy 40 percent level i'll be wrong there but i i don't see him in the, at the level of some of these other guys even if you know he does deserve credit for contributing on a winning team right now i think he's gonna be a good player for a long time but not someone to talk about with the upside of uh, some of these other guys yeah i think i think that's largely fair and and there's time to prove us wrong but i, I don't expect to see it do you want to do some of the kind of the other questions yeah yeah i, I think so but just to quickly the guys who dropped out of the top 10 for me were Jamal Murray and Jaron Jackson. Those guys are down a tier into the players to watch now. I, I would um, add in Fox. He dropped from 7 to 14 for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. He he. Uh, that, that would be another one, too. Let me actually write him down. Biggest riser would be Trey Young, followed by Booker. And you could even say that Doncic going from 3 to 1 is a big riser. But he he would probably have been number one, even if he were kind of on more a more normal trajectory from last year, not this ridiculous trajectory that he's been on. Bam, too, would be another one who's really risen a, a ton. And Brandon Ingram. I mean, there's a lot of guys who actually have really surprised this year. It's been a fun year in that regard. Jalen Brown, too, is up a little bit also. So, so that's uh, good to see that guys are really uh, improving. And uh, that's uh, always exciting when guys take these unexpected leaps. And uh, those are some of the stories that I enjoy the most, even if they do defy prediction to some degree. Yeah, and, and, and it is encouraging also, especially with some of those guys having the pedigree and then their lack of improvement early on disappointing. Brandon Ingram is a great example here. And then seeing it come on, come on well. And you, you worry a little bit sometimes that it could be fool's gold and tones down like it has with Andrew Wiggins. But Ingram it looks more substantive and structural so i'm very i'm thrilled with him in particular so we're gonna have a lot of guys graduating next year booker mitchell jalen braun ben simmons miles turner who of the remaining guys would you say are most likely to take a big drop next year that's interesting um maybe bam looks less special um i really like what he could do and yeah let's see what kind of a playoffs he has because that's kind of the argument for him is like this is a real contributor as a high level in a number of areas in the playoffs yeah so i i could see bam and john isaac who who i have you know he's not in my top 10 but he's close enough i could if those guys don't look as as they're i mean brandon ingram if this ends up being less real than we hope it is then that could be a a reason for him to fall off agreed Uh, um i would say that's the the i mean maybe trey young let's say by the time we record this next year the hawks have better surrounding talent and things don't look better by enough that could be a big a big concern yeah. I mean, maybe it becomes clear 
that he really is the problem defensively. I don't buy that. I think they have other bigger ones. And Ja, too. I mean, both those guys are young. They're doing great things. You know, maybe Ja doesn't take a huge step forward from where he is. Well, and and, and then the last one is is Zion. I don't expect it, but if he just yeah. has a... If, if it just looks like it's square peg, round hole, that sort of a situation with overall, I don't expect it, but there's a possibility. I mean, when he's two, yeah. you have him in a tier by himself. I have him above everybody but Luca. That's rarefied error for a player who hasn't been in an NBA game. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't play the same way that he played in college and in the preseason or he struggles with weight issues or he's not as explosive coming back from this injury or he's just terrible defensively and he just can't I mean there's a lot of ways for it to go wrong for him but like I said I value the upside that's why I had him number two uh, in a uh, tier by himself most likely to move up for me it's John Morant (laughs) But he's not for you. Um, yeah, yeah, because you had a number nine. Item overall. number nine. I think. I think Jaws pretty pretty clearly there. Um, he, I mean, be- I, I could see Ingram ending up higher than Morant and Young. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if he has, I mean, so I had Ingram 12. If he, if this, if if you just continue this throughout the year, he moves into the top probably six and that's a huge jump. Yeah. Shea would be another one. You know, we'll, we'll see it to have two months under his year next year under his belt next year. And, you know, maybe Chris Paul isn't on the team anymore at that point. He's really got a chance to run things. And Jaron too. I mean, if he gets it defensively, what he's doing offensively is good enough now to where, uh, if he gets back to what he was supposed to be defensively, all of a sudden that's you know he could be the fifth guy on this list potentially um do you think there is any chance that zion could pass luka Doncic? any chance yes any significant chance probably not if luka stays yeah. healthy i mean that that's the caveat that you have but, to throw like out. zion is i mean unless we're talking about zion as a top five player the way we're talking about luka at this time next year then no i, I don't think so. i mean think I could see Zion being number one a lot of other times. This is health dependent too. I mean, if Luca, you know, tears his ACL or something, God forbid, then yeah. But but we're talking if both of them have played. No, I don't think so. It would be it would be incredible. I mean, and we have seen players start out real strong, but that would I mean that would be incredible. I hope we see it. That'd be great. Um, Who has the absolute highest upside on this list? Different way of of outside outside of Luca. Well, yeah, I mean, well, do you think Zion has a higher upside than Luca even now with what he's doing? No. And you look at them and your traditional definition of upside, you would say, yes, it's Zion. But no, I don't don't think so. I mean, especially because I don't think that Zion can ever be just the every down operator the way that Luca is. And and it's hard to imagine Zion with that gap with ball handling, you know, like with with time of possession, that gap. It's hard to see Zion making that up defensively. He's not. I don't think he's ever going to have a mid range game. And if he does have a mid-range game there's only so many times that you can score i mean Giannis is certainly pushing the limits of that i mean maybe zion just becomes like another Giannis, but you know even then I, he's not the quite the passer that Giannis is and certainly not the defender that Giannis is to me but if we're talking about number three to me the conversation gets to the guys that you had three and four trey and john morant i mean either one of those guys has the potential to be the best offensive player on a really really good offense and i would say that since there aren't any real two-way beasts I would say that they're probably next because offense is more important than defense. Of the players that are I had and players to watch, I guess Fox would be another one too. I mean, I think he had him nine last year, so I think he could certainly move up. Uh, I mean, or not as the highest upside, but just uh, as someone who could potentially move up. You know, maybe Porter falls into that category uh, as well. Um, all right, anything else you wanted to talk about here? I, th- I think we're we're pretty good. Yeah, I I, th- I think that's. 
I think that's a, a, a really good summary of where it is. And it'll be, I wonder how this year is going to shake out. And you brought this up with Bam. Also, remember, we don't re-record this after the playoffs. How does that affect it? Because some of these guys, that will expose them. Some of them, it might end up fortifying fortifying our opinions, but then we won't do this again for about seven months after that. So that'll be pretty fun. Oh, oh, I do have one more question. Uh, who would you say has the one guy who has developed the most on this list over, out of the past year? So are we talking, is this growth re- adjusted for significance? Like Luca, it, it, Luca didn't necessarily grow as much as a player, but his growth was the most important because going to yeah. be, become the scorer. So I, I would say Luca in that respect. But if we're going, who has gotten better, just pure up, like let's say like 2K rating, who has gotten better by the most? Huh. Probably Ingram, right? Yeah, I, I would say Ingram. Um, I would say Luke also because it's just the significance of his improvement that you, before this, I would have thought, okay, he's going to be, you know, probably his path is 10th or, or 15th best player in the NBA when he's fully formed. And now he's a top five player in the NBA now, as opposed to five years from now. I yeah. mean, that's just, that is just so meteoric. And can, uh, yeah. Can we give an honorable mention, even though he's not 23 and under to Pascal Siakam? Because think about where, where his reputation has gone in the last 12 months. I mean, he was an in, a curio as a, as, like, he was already a good defensive player, but as an offensive player to now that's more of an established commodity. And he's was a key player on a championship team. And to do that going from age 24 to age 25 is fantastic. All right. This this is fun be back tomorrow gonna do the awards catch you guys up uh, on that and also please we'll try a new segment here we'll see what kind of comments we get um tweet us with some of your questions or concerns about this list and maybe we'll do a follow-up segment addressing just a, at least a few of the the best comments however you must follow either the format of how the fuck did you have this guy ahead of this guy or you're crazy for not having this guy on the list no other submissions will be accepted that's not true uh but yeah we'll, we'll look for it we'll do like a little segment on that next week uh so We will talk to y'all tomorrow for the NBA awards through January or January 1st. Till then. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.